This is Hal to Japan. Hello, George. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Yourself? I'm doing pretty good. A little tired, but good. Why? I, I think I had a long day. Busy. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and I got to work tomorrow, so I think that also... Yeah, brings you down a bit. Yeah, you're like... But aside from that, you know, I'm glad to be here. Good. As am I. So, tonight... We will be discussing a movie we both watched. We watched The Wind Rises, directed by Hayao Miyazaki, the Ghibli studio right. director. That is, this is our first anime, uh, our first animated movie that we've watched so far. Mm. Uh, are you a fan of the medium animation? Uh you know, I I never really st- I've never really when I was a kid I watched cartoons. Uh I like South Park. <laughs> mm. Uh and uh I don't mind it. I don't I don't really seek it out. I guess I'm not a, a lover of it in the sense of so there's so much anime on Netflix in Japan and you know, it it's not like oh I got to watch the newest stuff or I have a favorite director or favorite studio house or something like that i guess ghibli would be the closest for me but then you know i I mean i've probably seen most or nearly all the ghibli movies that miyazaki has directed but then i've even you know went to the museum out there in mitaka a while back a long long time ago so i'm i guess i'm a fan of ghibli but not like a hardcore fan. What about you? Are you are you mm. into this uh, anime? I've watched my fair share of, particularly Japanese Japanese animated films and television shows growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always found something interesting in the fact that you know there was a way of the style, mm-hmm. the style of animation. I guess that's why it's called anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, very unique to you know Japan, exporting their culture around the world with uh, an, an animation style which is all it's all its own mm-hmm. everyone around the no- around the world knows now what anime is mm. they even say that they, people will say anime because it actually represents a particular type of animation mm-hmm. and not just the animation itself but but the story about what you're going to get yourself into yeah it's fascinating to me mm. that uh, growing up just comparing with both western animated features and and animated shows versus what Japan was exporting. Mm. I think if you go Sorry. back, if you go back to like the 1960s with those animated shows like uh, Speed Racer. Yeah, I was thinking of that. Yeah, uh, you know, my when I was in elementary school, that got replayed on TV. It probably I don't know. Same happened in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, and my you know my my classmates we we'd watch the show. So that we could make fun of it the next day because we loved yeah. the overdubbed right. characterizations of the voices were just so absurd. We, yeah, uh, yeah. we just jump around the room saying "chim chim chim chim." <laughs> <That's Yeah. it. laughs> oh no, Speed Racer! He's coming! Oh God! Like that kind of thing. But um, but there was also a show called Star Blazers that was on in the afternoon, which I never really got into. 
but I believe the Japanese name for that is Galaxy 999. Uh, mm. And um, I, I didn't really realize, I didn't really make the connection until I saw a little bit more of it, it on TV or I saw a video box at the store or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's in, Japan, in America, that was Star Blazers. But I didn't really get into that into that show that much what what shows what what animation did you like from japan when you were when you were a kid uh i like dragon ball z uh-huh dragon ball dragon ball z uh also uh yeah pokemon as well when oh, i was in okay. high school pokemon oh. was pretty interesting there was one show bef- uh, when i was in primary school called uh samurai pizza cat okay and that's probably one of my favorites growing up and I came to Japan, and I noticed, like, I asked everyone, every Japanese person I knew were talking about, you know, me coming from New Zealand, and they're asking me, oh, do you know, like, cartoons? Like, what were you watching? And uh, and I said, oh, I loved uh, anime, like, Japanese shows, like Samurai Pizza Cats. Mm-hmm. And I'd always be greeted by a blank stare. Mm-hmm. Not one fucking Japanese person knew what I was talking about. Mm. I said, Samurai Pizza Cats. And, and I ch- checked online, and... Yeah, for some reason, it wasn't popular in Japan. Mm. It wasn't. I mean, I was just. I guess like we got the like second rate shit. Got the dregs. <laughs> it seemed like. Mm. Yeah, I know it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, someone I pizza get. So if anyone listening wants to check out a show that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but which Japanese apparently don't give a fuck about. Right. Yeah, someone I pizza get. That's a similar thing for Speed Racer. May, most Japanese are pretty lukewarm about it, and you know generation my generation or 40s don't even really know it because it was only released in japan in the 60s and didn't get replay and the name for it was mahao gogo in in japanese Mm. so for some reason it was exported to america in the 70s and 80s so generations of kids know of this show that may be only Japanese in their <laughs> maybe in their sixties and seventies know about. <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah, yeah. a strange disconnect. So tonight, the wind rises. Yeah. Uh, well, let's give our opinions on this movie, okay. and then we'll we'll get straight into spoilers. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think? You know, when I first when I first finished watching the movie, I thought that I had enjoyed it, and I liked some of the themes and topics discussed. Uh, and I, I, I was kind of struck by the fact that, oh, wait a second. I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but you tell me. It seems that Miyazaki is obsessed with flying things. Yeah, uh, that's what that's I. That's accurate. Uh, that's uh, something I suddenly caught my caught my attention. I was like, wait a second. Every other movie he makes is about something flying through the air. Anyway, uh, so. I was met with very similar after a few days and I felt like I was I was confronted with very similar characters to other movies that are in Miyazaki's canon and character types. And so I felt that the story was really interesting and some of the themes were really good, but I felt like the characterization the, the characters themselves weren't all that captivating and that's only because of the the fact that i've seen so many of these other movies that he's done and i and and i'm bringing this baggage a little bit along with me 
So I, I would say I was very warm towards it when I when I finished watching it because I was captivated by the themes. But upon second thought, I, I was less enthralled by it because of the it seemed like almost the characters seemed kind of rote to me in a way. What about you? Mm. Yeah, I had the opposite opinion about the characters. Mm. I actually cried mm -hmm. in one of the scenes, mm. which we will discuss later. But I felt like the topic itself, the theme, mm. wasn't particularly... Uh, a part of it had uh, some impact mm. on me. I think it was the the character development of the protagonist and his his journey mm -hmm. throughout throughout the movie and uh, having to balance his his job along oh you know yeah i might be i don't want to reveal too much because mm -hmm. i hate fucking spoilers just watch the movie yeah don't even <laughs> listen just watch it but i liked it mm -hmm. i liked it a lot mm -hmm. and any any uh animated film that brings me to tears is is a good one in my in my opinion mm -hmm. and i'm not overly sentimental i'm quite desensitized actually mm. when it comes to most movies so for a movie like this which i watched for the yeah first time mm. yeah i was very invested in the person we follow throughout the whole movie mm. so yeah that's uh so we both would recommend this movie so yeah, definitely right well, let's uh, let's get to, into spoilers. If you didn't know, this is about this guy named Jiro, and he dreams of flying, mm. designing beautiful airplanes. Right. Uh, he was inspired by this famous aeronautical designer, Caproni, and we follow him throughout the whole movie, mm. trying to achieve his dream. Mm. Yeah, I, th I think that um, the one of the I really enjoyed the daydreaming sequences. That he had with his hero, because I think we all have these types of things, and oftentimes, I, I feel like people downplay the importance of daydreaming, and 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 we sometimes feel embarrassed by those kinds of experiences. Like we don't want to really we. It's something like an inner voice that people don't really say that much about. You don't you don't really project that to people. Like oh I. You know, I have these secret conversations with the person I admire in my head, you know. So I thought it was really interesting that throughout uh, his Well, his if lifetime, you did say that, you'd come across as a schizophrenic. Well, I, no, I don't think so, because everyone has those experiences. I think they would people just kind of make fun of you. It's like, oh, you're silly. But um, I, I think there, it was really a key element to his journey as a person who was... A creative and i think miyazaki highlighting that element in his in his character's mind was a, a really really interesting way of looking at how people develop their ideas and get motivated and draw inspiration in their lives it's something that that was an, uh, an important theme that really transcended the whole movie and made it something more than just the story itself. Yeah, I can see that. That's a that's a fair point. Mm. The the main main character actually reminded me of a Japanese guy I knew. Uh, I was I was teaching him at mm. the time. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer teaching now, but I I was an English teacher, mm -hmm. and he worked at Toshiba. Mm -hmm. He was uh, an engineer, very clever and very unassuming, very quiet. 
very reserved. Mm. And yeah, for some reason, the main character just struck me as a splitting image of this Japanese guy I knew. Mm. Just like almost like a pr- pr- prototypical engineer. Mm. Very, uh, yeah, very, very quiet, but extremely focused mm. on what he needed to do. And sometimes appeared as, as though he was in his own world sometimes. Mm. But uh, but that's exactly who this character was. And I think that Miyazaki had a like an intimate knowledge of, it seemingly anyway, mm. the, the type of personality traits which would go along with an engineer. Uh, I don't know engineer. I mean, Pete, you know, this is back in the, what is it, the 40s, right? Mm. Even when before that, get, yeah, yeah, way before, before that, that. Because but when he go, gets his job in in uh, Mitsubishi, yeah, because he's he's developing the planes that would be used for World War right. II. So it, I, I really thought that it was interesting the the dynamic that he illustrates in where people, you know, you have these creative people, and then you have the practicality of, of budgets within a company, and and bosses trying to you know get to the bottom line and develop things but some people are struck with genius and are able to do their job while also developing something that is incredibly futuristic at the t- for the time um there's one thing i i was struck by i i don't know how striking it was for you but the idea that you know from the littlest things you can find inspiration with the one scene where Jiro was eating fish and he pulled the bone out and looked at it and saw the arcing nature of the bone and thought okay I'm going to try to apply this to aeronautics you know this whole that that's like a a field where people actually it's called biomimetics where people or laboratories try to find a way uh, they, they look at nature and then they try to mimic that natural element, whether it be an animal or some other force in creating an artificial, an artificial object that pro- pro- that can propel itself on its own. Uh, so I, I thought that was really interesting, finding these tiny little things in your life that are, you know, people often just throw off and cast off, but become like a, a major source of inspiration for your work mm. did you did that that kind of strike you or didn't really uh how did you feel about that uh well he talked a lot about the fish mm-hmm. he was eating and he found a bone and his friend uh looked you know he said he said to him that he you know was concerned because mm-hmm. <laughs> about a, finding so much pleasure in his friend mm. uh you know the pleasure that he expressed in finding that that bone and mm. and the shape which did inform the shape of the was it the wings yeah i think so the tail mm. of the zero zero fighter right the notorious zero fighter again i, I just always go back to this guy i knew he uh i think in in his case, he had a dream, and throughout the movie, I felt that he was destined to fulfill his dream. Mm-hmm. He was intellectually more like he he was gifted in many ways in engineering. 
and quickly rose above the ranks in Mitsubishi and he knew of the, the impending designs or the, the, the way in which his planes would be used mm. in war. Right. And I think the first time he comes across that was in, uh, I think it was when he went to Ger- uh, Germany. Mm. It all came, I think, with one of his little fantasies. He, he was having a conversation with right, Caproni. Right. Yeah. I think Caproni mentions it, mentions the fact that, oh, you, you know, it's all going to come crashing down. Mm. Um but yeah, I liked I liked that tug of war. Mm. I liked I liked the fact that you know you've got you've got a dream, but at what cost? Mm. Uh, you're you're contributing to the war effort, mm. and this is going to be the downfall of Japan, right. which they actually mention in the movie mm. early on. Yeah, I think uh, the way the the progression of the plot in that area was uh, really interesting, and I think it it speaks of the maybe I don't know if. Miyazaki wanted us to see like the plight of the creative person that must negotiate with himself how to deal with the reality, you know, because if you want something to, if you want to fulfill a dream that is much larger than yourself and you live in a world where, you know, there's market forces that require, you know, money and 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 money is connected to these obligations within a company is there any way to really you know find a way out of of creating something that is so beautiful that will in the end be for a force of destruction i think he he was trying to you know really play on this theme here and really make people wrestle with this idea and I wonder if there's, I I guess I wondered afterwards, you know, will we ever come to a time where we can actually break out of this, I don't know if I want to call a cycle or a pattern or whatever, where people who are actually very creative and have these huge futuristic dreams of the future, you know, can, can produce things that are not going to always be for nefarious ends. And I think at that time, we can look back and see, okay, at that time, there was no way to get around it. But I, I wonder what the future holds. I, I wonder, you know, that's the, the, I don't know, that's what I was thinking about when I, after a few days after watching the movie. I don't know if it's relevant or whatever, mm. but those are my thoughts on it. Let me let me tell you like a scene that made me really emotional. Mm. Actually, it was a couple of scenes. Um the the first one was when he found out that Naoko mm-hmm. had suffered a fall. Mm-hmm. She she had fallen, mm-hmm. and he received a letter from his boss. But right. it was like two or three days mm-hmm. late because he didn't didn't have access to his mail. Right, because he was under suspicion by the military. Uh, did we get to the bottom of that? I don't even know if what the reasons were. Well, I'm not really sure. Behind them, make me suspecting him of mm. espionage or something. Mm. Right. But he was on like a list. I think it was because he had gone to Germany. Hmm. So then that would automatically put him somewhere on a list. Yeah, but that one, 
That yeah. So the the first scene that almost made me teary eyed was when he went rushing, rushing back mm. to Naoko to to see her, mm-hmm. and she's now at her father's or at her house, and uh, runs through the garden and gets gets to her, hugs her, and. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think it was just the fact that I, I you know, you you with him mm-hmm. throughout all this time, and you know how dedicated he is to his job, mm-hmm. and he's so unassuming and quiet and quiet mannered. He's he's, but the fact that this one moment, as soon as he found out, he just dropped. He just dropped everything mm-hmm. and ran. He, he ran as as fast i don't think we've seen him as urgent in the whole movie mm-hmm. we've never seen him act that way just mm. through that love of for for naoko um but then there there's another scene where he comes home with a shitload of work to do and she's lying there and then she asks him to move closer to her, to her mm-hmm. while she's lying there so she, he takes the the desk that he's working on and moves closer to her mm-hmm. continuing to work and uh, you know she asks for his hand mm. so, so he gives her gives her his hand while he's working with one with one hand and then he then he says oh I, I'm gonna can you let me go I want to have a smoke mm-hmm. and she said no no mm. I'd prefer you smoke smoke here mm. than let you go. I mean, fuck, she's dying of tuberculosis, right. which is like a <laughs> predominantly a respiratory disease. Mm. So she's kind of accelerating her own demise mm. with uh, you know the smoke and everything. Um, but yeah, just those 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 two scenes alone mm. just made me it just uh, I was enthralled or captured by just the the these two characters. Maybe it's just a Maybe to you it just looks too like very simplistic, simplistic, um, uh, you know, between these two characters. But for me, there was just so, just through everything that I've seen earlier about how they got together and how, how he's, he's consistently been so yeah, just so focused on his own job. But to, mm. but to also have her uh, understanding that his work is critically important. Uh, yeah, it was just those those dynamics, and you know, deep down, it's not gonna. She's gonna die mm. at some point. So, so I guess knowing that as well probably brought me like uh, brought a couple of tears to my eyes. I couldn't really. I I, I see what you're saying, uh, but I, I I think I I had a level of cynicism with the characters because I felt like. Um, there's so many characters in these movies that are pure of heart and they have no flaw. You know, and they act in in ways that uh, are always correct. And so I I find myself when I see these things I I don't feel any emotional connection to characters that way so i mean that could be a flaw for myself when i i don't see any conflict 
in, in morality or um, behavior and everything is 100% pure and honest, it, it becomes difficult for me to emotionally connect to, to characters. So uh, that, that's, that was my issue with those. Even, and I am reminded of the, his, uh, Jiro's younger sister, who after upon meeting uh, his, his fiance is sitting in the foyer or where the living room, whatever. And she's always very, you know, has a, a, an angry look on her face. And then she, with angry, angry look in her face, knowing right from wrong and purity of heart, she angrily tells, you know, him off about, you know, uh, her situation, Naoko's situation, because she loves him. She loves her immediately. It's it's all it becomes like, OK, I I see what they're doing with the character. I, I see the, the, the interactions and I I, I couldn't really. I, I enjoyed some of the, the playfulness between Naoko and Jiro, but I, on a deeper level, I couldn't really find a connection. And I could just be, you know, a hollow, shallow person for that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, I, th- I think it was also just the, uh, the music and the animation, the... Everything just coalesced for me mm. in a way where I've I I was just on board from from the very yeah from the very beginning it just it just hooked me mm. along with mm. the with the earthquake um, mm. which is supposedly it's a 1923 great Kanto earthquake right. isn't it yeah I thought that was really well done mm. that that scene. Well, I'm always, uh, yeah, this st- the striking nature of how people are suddenly, uh, you know, what's interesting about those scenes is that, I, I don't know, may- maybe there were people freaking out, but it's like they they just knew things were going to happen in a way. And it, it's not like they were stoic in a sense, but they, they just were trying to figure out how to deal with the situation, but it wasn't. Although the the, sea, the the earthquake caused chaos, people's actions weren't chaotic, I felt. Hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting... Uh, Still way. very orderly, wasn't it? Yeah. The way they were, they were um, walking in almost single file mm. in a way. They were all lined, lined up, mm. so... It's not a lot of real mayhem. Yeah, people are like running for their lives. It's, it's all very orderly. Mm, people knew what to do, and I, I think that's Miyazaki, you know, reflecting on. I mean, there might be historical accuracies, or also reflecting on the, the way that people respond to these types of natural disasters. I, I think that people have an awareness that they're country is always on the precipice of (laughs) falling apart and so Mm. that that knowledge keeps them in tune with uh, a a sense that this is normal if there's destruction 
that's the norm. So if you don't have destruction, well, then you can you can count your lucky stars. So and in that sense, people can just, you know, figure out a way of dealing with it without, you know, throwing their hands up in the air and their eyes rolling back into the back, you know, rolling into the back of backs of their heads. Seen also, you know, uh, and this could be a true story. I, I don't know, but Jiro helping the, you know, at the time Naoko when she was a little girl, her family get back to where they needed to go. It's another example of the pure of heart, no moral conflict nature of of the character. I'm not discounting what he did, but. It's just another example along the lines of everything he did uh, was uh, perfect. Even in his work, like when he, the boss rushes in in a scene and he's has his paper out for new designs, and the kacho comes in, the the head, the, you know, the head of the department comes in and he's like, "Have you gotten everything done? What what the hell is this? What do you look? What do you what, what's this?" He's like, "We wanted the the those. Oh, I've already done it." He's like, oh, mm. here you go. Oh, it's perfect. You know, it's like everything is, there, there's never, I just never got a sense of any conflict anywhere. Uh, but, uh, and that just could be, you know, historical accuracy or, you know, a, a common thread that's often in these Miyazaki movies where the characters often have these extremely pure moral guidance in their lives and maybe you know i keep saying this but perhaps this is what people need to see you know we need to have heroes that uh, may that don't are, are not corrupted by anything i think you you know oftentimes in movies we have these characters and now we have anti-heroes and all this stuff where there's so much the morally corrupt aspects that then they overcome and then they become this person that they weren't before and we're always trying to or maybe I'm trying too hard to find that kind of character arc in movies and perhaps not every movie needs to be that way you know uh, for it to progress and you know have a, a, a meaningful uh, ending I don't know am I rambling I don't know mm. No, no. Well, you say no conflict, but I think the, there's major conflict in the fact that mm -hmm. he's got a... There's a heavy burden on him throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. He's got... I mean, this conflict is like a like balancing his dream he's had since he was a child mm. with or against the love of his life, who doesn't have much time to live. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think she could have spent more time in the sen you know, sanatorium. She, But... She, but just due, due to his job, she she fled. And who's to say if she actually stayed or if he had visited her? You know, there could have been you know long, longer time that both could have had together. Mm. I don't know. I In fact, I should have checked this. But during that time, being in the sanatorium, it wouldn't guarantee success, right? Would you still be destined to die of tuberculosis or were there cases where you could could survive? When I watched it with my wife and we were talking about these types of places, I think she mentioned to me that that was basically where you go to die. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, there, of course, there was were those conflicts, but the way in which people acted and how they made their decisions, there was never a point where it was out of out of an uh, an immorality or a, an undersided deed or a selfishness. I, I that because it was always there was always a careful, balanced nature and way uh, Jito made his decisions or how uh, Naoko made her decisions. I, I think that uh, they really, they, it was never an undertone of utter selfishness or or I'm going to get this and, and then at the expense of the other person. You know, as far as working hard at your job, uh, you know, at that time and even now, I would say, you know, everyone knows that you you have to sacrifice life for your job. Right? So and, and that was one point that was made when he went back to the house to see Naoko, her father, you know, so you have a job to do. Uh, so I, I think that that's not as as big of a conflict as as maybe other cultures would have it i don't know those are just a couple of my thoughts there on that point yeah that's that's an interesting point you've made about the culture at the time as well now even now in japan uh, work is sucks the life the souls out of many japanese mm. uh so, uh, yeah, I, I can see that. But just as uh, from my own personal mm. viewing experience, I just felt that there was this guy who is following his, his dream. He's, mm. he's so close to achieving it. Mm. And he's got a girl who he, who he loves. Mm. He loves completely. So there was this sense. And he knows. He knows that she's going to die. She makes it clear to him. Mm. Like, I've, I've got tuberculosis. Do you still want to marry me? Mm. It's like, yeah, of course. Right. I also want to marry you. But even with that knowledge, it's like, I don't, for me, from that point, it just seemed like a, um, overall, there's this, uh, yeah, again, like a, like a tug of war mm. between what he's supposed to do in his job, along with being with the person he, he loves. Mm. He could die in any, you know, there's no way uh, out for her. So she's he's got to somehow find balance. And I don't think, I don't know. I don't even know if he, at the end of it all, mm. he seemed quite satisfied with himself. I mean, what did you, mm. what did you think? Do you, do you think that he would have loved to have, despite creating this amazing plane, mm. uh, I now, I now, now I'm asking you to make inferences just mm. based upon. Oh, I'll make some inferences um, yeah. about what he's, yeah. But, but what do you draw from that? Do you do you think that he he doesn't he has no no regrets or because I I think he's harboring a lot of fucking regrets. I think he's like fuck. I now I've just made a plane and many of these planes aren't going to come back. Mm. Um, I've achieved it, but fuck, what I would give to just spend more time with Nogel. I think definitely that th those are some conflicts that he had, but I, I think that from an outsider looking in, 
he made all these very measured uh, decisions, which were always, I consider, pure of heart and, you know, uh, morally based in, in thinking about and in balancing what is expected of him at his company, what is expected of the family and what's expected of him with Nalco. And I, I think he was balancing many trays, as it were, in the, you know, kind of juggling many, many things uh, to do it. And so when you're in that situation, there's, I think, no, there wouldn't be anyone who wouldn't feel some sense of regret, no matter how clear minded you could be. Uh, maybe that's too much that maybe that's hyperbole. Maybe even the most clear minded person would have a sense of regret, uh, regardless of how well they thought about each aspect of their life. And of course, you know, no matter how much if you love somebody, then no matter how much time you spend with them, you always want to have more time with them. Uh, so uh, I would imagine that he wanted more time with that person, regardless of the fact that he knew that she was going to die soon. Uh, so that's like the bitter, the bittersweet nature of the shortness of their time together. So maybe mm. by creating a shorter time time frame, then their love would be more intense and perhaps they wouldn't have experienced that level of intensity uh, if it were, if, if death wasn't hanging over their heads the whole time. That's not to say that uh, that was a plot device. I'm not saying it was a plot device. I'm just saying that was the situation. Mm. Because I think that Miyazaki, you know, depending on what trajectory he wanted the story to go, I think that the character of Naoko could have, you know, gone into the future uh, with, and, and there wouldn't that she didn't need to die for the movie to be compelling. That's mm. that's what I that's what I'm trying to say there. But because she was, because she was dying, then that made their, that that was a way to make their. Um, their love affair more intense and and fleeting and almost in a way nostalgic even while they were experiencing it because you are constantly looking when someone's dying and you're constantly looking back on what just happened as if it's might be the last time that i do this thing with that person mm. uh, anyway that's my uh, inference i guess what did you think overall about the fact that there is a guy who knows for well his his dream is going to lead to a device or a vehicle, a, a plane that's going to be dropping bombs mm. on other countries? Mm. Um, do you find that it's not questionable in the sense that you've got... Um, it's based upon a guy who knows full well what he, you know, even despite it being his dream and his dream leading to a machine that's going to unleash death and destruction mm. on other people. Do do you think it was done in a genuine way, as in morally, like you were talking about morals a mm. lot, about every character is 
morally unquestionable. Mm. But the actions themselves proved to me to be completely different. Mm. And I actually read some um, other reviews about this movie, like mm. negative ones, uh-huh. and they all, always came down to the fact that uh, Miyazaki's glorifying war, in a sense, or trying to put a positive spin on the creation of these planes through a naive view on someone following his his dreams I, I would when say, at any well, moment he could have he could have walked away if he had any moral character at all he would have said fuck my dream i don't want to be a part of this uh war effort and uh yeah fuck you all uh, i'd rather spend time with naoko than contribute to death and destruction uh outside you know uh, outside of japan but that never occurred at all to to Miyazaki when when making this movie, I don't think. At least that's uh, I can see some you know I can see some credence to to negative reviews on the movie. But yeah, what do you what do you think? Okay, so let me get this straight. The person says that uh, he's trying. Uh, Miyazaki is glorifying war because through through the guise of this person with a creative spirit and also like you said you've said so yourself morally pure you said that at no point throughout the movie did he ever show signs of being uh having any conflict at all Mm. you said that yes i did say that thank you for letting me know that i said I appreciate it. No, no, but I'm just bringing You said that, sir. You said that. Yeah, I know. I said it. I don't want to sound like I'm interrogating you or you're on the spot or... (laughs) But I mean, what I mean to say is that, mm -hmm. you know, there's... It's hanging over this movie. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're following the life of a guy who just... A a guy who who made fucking planes, which blew up, like, went to Pearl Harbor and and housed... uh, kamikaze pilots mm. and have left their mark on war veterans mm. americans allies people see these planes and you know what they feel they feel fucking dread mm. like what the fuck what the fuck am i watching here i'm watching this uh, the, the birth of a plane which led to the destruction of and the, and the death of of many many people so from that point of view, I can. It's highly questionable to me, and I think he did a good job. I mean, for me, like I said, I like this movie, mm. but I'm also trying to balance that with with how I mean the actual story, the story itself. Um, I liked the character. Again, I go back to the characters. I like the characters. I felt emotional with this guy having to balance his his work life along with a girl who's dying from tuberculosis. Uh, like you know, I've had tuberculosis, so I don't know if my question to you made sense. No, it makes sense. I, I'm just losing my train of thought about it. Um, I don't think that Miyazaki glorifies war by portraying a man who wants to f- fulfill his dream despite the fact that the people funding his dream want to use it for nefarious practices. And which would, but he knew that. 
But I don't think Miyazaki is doing that. I don't think he's glorifying war in the movie by showing mm. a person who is uh, trying to be an artist. He creates, when I watch that last scene and I see those planes flying through the air, what I see is one of the most beautiful works of art that combines you know engineering and, and aerodynamics and all you know a man's imagination in conflict with the people who the powers that be who are going to use it for negative purposes and i started off this podcast by saying that i wonder if we'll ever be in a world where creative minds will not be subject to people who are constantly trying to find ways to use things for nefarious and negative destructive purposes. And that's what I mm. left the movie with, or a few days afterwards even, thinking about the movie. Mm. Uh, Miyazaki is not someone who glorifies war in that way. I think he was trying to show the, the conflict that goes on when uh, artists try to create something that is uh, bigger than themselves. Miyazaki didn't accept the Academy Award for Spirited Away because he was against the war in Iraq. Hmm. Uh, Miyazaki, I don't think, is suffering from nostalgia either in this movie. I think he is struggling to find a world in which people, in which artists like himself can actually express themselves and create things that are meaningful in the world and, and, and be separate from the, these destructive forces. I, I did not see, I did not take away uh, glorification of war from this movie. Because mm. I saw. Oh no! Neither, I, neither did uh, I. So that, that's, but that's the review. You want me to respond to the review? So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I, f I feel like, and I kind of, sorry, but my my train of thought's going in and out. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of had a thread in my brain, and then I, I kind of lost it. And then oh, I sorry, I inter yeah. It, it's okay. You. It's okay. Uh, I'm just, well, it, it's just going in and out for me. And I, I think I might have something more to say about that at a later time. Maybe my thoughts will crystallize more at another time. But I, I really think that, um, that that reviewer is making an inference that is a little over the top. Uh, even mm. even though the the character, you know, as you say, as I said, you said that I said that the character is pure of heart <laughs> because of the pure, pure of heart because yeah. of the daydreams that he had with this this person, uh, his hero, and because of the way in which he looked at the world. Like I, I go back to the the bone and the arc, mm, arching mm. bone. This is. He didn't look at that arching bone and think, you know what, this bone would be good too. 
attach it in a way to a plane that could then drop bombs on people I don't know. Yeah. No, of course. No, no we never get that impression at all so, through the movie. And yeah. also, you know, the, the pure of heart sense, like when there's a catastrophe, what does he do? He doesn't go out of the way to save, save himself. He goes into the, the heart of the, the, the beast and, you know, helps people he doesn't know to get to help and to get to get to safety and so uh, you know the the whole sense of uh domination war war a war theme is domination and controlling others uh so i I don't know if i really saw that in the themes of the movie and and but again i feel like maybe this is something that'll crystallize in my brain and maybe for you something else will crystallize and we can talk about this in another podcast maybe at the beginning of another podcast if we if our brains kind of coalesce uh, around uh certain ideas i i think the general point among some of the negative reviews i read is that they're uh, you know the american american reviewers and they're thinking of children their children watching this movie loving it and then drawing the potential um conclusion that whatever you do follow your dream no matter the cost Mm -hmm. even if you know it's going to lead to untold numbers of people dying Mm -hmm. that's where the glorification comes in is that when you introduce uh, like great characters morally pure Yet they're directly in have they have direct influence over, like um you know Einstein Oppenheimer mm-hmm. with a nuclear bomb. Mm. They they went through with it, and Oppenheimer he's already you know he's been on record. There's a video of the guy mm. saying he's now become death. He's well aware of the consequences, mm. Mm. but at least they were aware of it. Mm. We, we never see that from Judel the mm. whole movie. He never has a reckoning never ever has he does he face the the consequences all he sees are his planes and i guess the only sad part is they're never coming back and he lost his girlfriend he lost his wife i'm sorry he lost his wife so well, then so those those are that's it but in terms of the destruction um he uh, okay so uh, I, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate i, I know i know <laughs> i don't agree uh-huh. i don't agree with it but i'm just stating like uh-huh. i can see i can see that point i can see okay I, if I, you um you can draw this like you, you can have these emotions upon watching it and think okay um and be and overreact with hyperbole about glorification of war you can also be very worried about certain mixed signals of a less sophisticated viewer I mean, for a less feel like a child to read that into that that far, I don't, it's a stretch. I don't, I don't think I'm just playing devil's but, advocate. And, and, but also on the same thing, these adults that are saying that the uh, that these planes cause death and destruction, yeah. But on a much sco- smaller scale compared to what you're talking about, the atom bomb, you know, like uh, the the like uh, you almost can't really equate the two and. I know you're not trying to, but you're 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 creating the um, the the parallel, right, or the 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 contrast, like one side versus the other. Like the the Japanese created the the zero planes, and the Americans or the Allies created this atom bomb. 
Oh, don't get me wrong. If yeah. they had access to that technology, they mm. would have created the bomb first. Right, right. And you know the the um, imagine imagine following Jiro if that were the case, and he's like developing a bomb. He's like, <laughs> but he I loves have a dream to create a bomb. <laughs> I would have a very no, different feeling. No, about he's had this a breakthrough. Movie. He's had yeah. like a like a breakthrough in physics, and he mm-hmm. discovers it. And that was his whole dream mm-hmm. is to make a breakthrough, and then that leads to the you know uh, a nuclear weapon. Mm. Similar. Yeah, I think maybe you know also Jiro is not a big thinker. In a sense that he he's very focused on his dream, but he's not thinking about humanity in the way. Oh, that, yeah. Like whatever is in front of him. Yeah. Not a big picture. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about yeah, Einstein, I mean, you think of a, a person who's, you know, got humanity in his mind all the time, you know. And mm. so Jito is yeah not a big picture, as you say, not a big big picture guy something right in front of him very focused the people around him matter the most and this idea that we can go and fly through the sky and which you know i i think that since this is another thought i had which was maybe mentioning a little bit earlier about you know miyazaki's obsession with flight i feel like this is his since it's his final film, he really wanted to portray a character who creates something that flies. There's so many as Howl's Moving Castle and then Kaze no Naushika, the, uh, what is that? Naushika, the valley, or the wind. Mm. Um, then Totoro even, <laughs> it's like something that flies. Kiki's Delivery Service, yeah, Kiki's she's delivery. flying around on her broom. <laughs> it's a, oh, so many of his movies are, are surrounded by this and I think it, it, it's an insight into his imagination and what he uh, in, is inspired by. And so he wanted to create someone who creates things that fly, but also connected to some reality where you can make your dreams come true, right? Mm. But there, there might be, a, a, you know, this moral conflict of that, that cost uh because the people who are imagining his ideas want to use it for shit that is not good um well, there's so many you know there's so many avenues to think about in yeah the movie. are you talking about Miyazaki so if somebody's watching it who doesn't know anything about Miyazaki mm-hmm. they can't they don't have access into his like you you and I know mm-hmm. Miyazaki mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't know Miyazaki they may have a complete get a completely different picture upon watching this movie and think wow this uh, you know the, the what i'm seeing in front of me shows a guy whose dream has been uh has been to make these planes to fly he couldn't fly himself he couldn't be a pilot because of his eyesight so he wants to build these planes but they are a there's a direct connection to him and the we- and and these weapons. So and it's an animated movie for kids. So if you're a parent who you you may you know I could I can see that I can see some concern there. Maybe it's just me. I mean, you and I we can't separate ourselves from being in Japan and knowing Miyazaki and knowing his full intentions. You know, we we know we know him and we know that he's a pacifist. Being a pacifist, why the fuck 
<laughs> would you make a movie that that glorifies war? Mm. It's not gonna. Mm. No, of course not. But mm. if you if you come to this fresh, we can't look at this with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to adopt that view through these negative reviews to take a step back and think, okay. How do I treat this property, this movie? How do I look at it with fresh eyes, with someone who maybe doesn't watch doesn't watch many ani- you know, anime? Maybe this is the first anime I've ever watched in my life. But what are you? Wait, who? Wait a second. <laughs> I think that's impossible, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making the argument that maybe you're not, uh, you're not someone who mm. is. Uh, accustomed to watching many animated films, particularly Japanese animated films. Uh, so you finally start watching it, and and I I, I can see that I, I can I, see you coming to the conclusion that I, this this main character he knew he knew what he was doing. He knew that every design he had from that from that bone he found in the fish it was beautiful bone. It was all going to lead to a machine of of uh, that, that that is going to be used in war i really think that this is coming like those reviews and i i know you're you're trying to pull us out of this but um i really feel like that those reviews are coming oh from... no i think i'm i'm i'm, I'm actually digging digging yeah. myself in <laughs> <laughs> like i i, I feel like... Uh, I feel I feel like I've actually taken them on board, and I'm uh-huh. like, uh, now now I'm a, now I'm a supporter. Don't uh-huh. don't please don't uh, take take what I'm saying as as me endorsing mm. any of these negative reviews. Uh, I, I know. I'm I know. just I, trying I, to come at it from the point of okay, I can see. I, some, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Some I kernel think. of truth, like it, but there, pulling us out from where what we know. But mm, so, but I, I keep going negative. Sorry on what they're saying, which is, I, I feel okay. like they're coming from you know us versus them thinking and the the whole idea that you know oh they created this look what he created he created this thing of destruction and that killed people who are in my family and it's and i don't think that was the 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 you know it's like people not being able to take themselves out of their own reality to look at what the other side of the world might have been thinking or what a creative mind might have been thinking or wanting to do in the situation, the economic and social and political situation of the time in Japan and around the world. And if you had this specific kind of feeling, you know, like if you if you took a person who if America, if America Pixar made a movie and it, the guy's name was Tom, and he had a dream of making planes, and he made the first fighter jet for the American Air Force. All those people who just said that uh, what they created could, you know, just flip the script and say, oh, you know, it's a wonderful patriotic act or, you know, some amazing feat that um, helped my grandfather, you know, saved my grandfather's life because uh, of the uh, new aerodynamic nature of the plane. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, it's... Well, we're running out of time. Mm. Let's get into uh, rankings. Okay. Instead of five stars, uh, we'll replace the stars with what? Uh, fish bones. <laughs> fish bones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I was thinking of like the Zero Fighter. What is that? The... 
Zero fighter. What's that, Mark? Hmm. Uh, no, fishbone. Okay, fishbone. Okay. <laughs> out of five. Out of five fishbones. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it uh, four out of five fishbones. I'm going to give it a uh, four fishbones and one, like maybe a third of a fishbone. Mm-hmm. Okay, a yeah, four and a th- third. No, maybe two thirds of a fishbone. Two bone. thirds, wow. Four point six. Maybe it's one that you accidentally swallowed. Oh and my god. Like part of it comes up and then you need I to need, eat bread. You need doctor's and then, assistance. And then you <laughs> 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 so there you go, everyone. Towards the end there, we we were I mentioned some negative reviews and uh and Jerry doubled down mm. in 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 fierce resistance towards these <laughs> reviews, and I and I also doubled down in in apparent support of these reviews, which I don't actually support. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it made it for, to, made for a little to, more entertaining yeah, uh, yeah, entertaining yeah, podcast. We're trying to so, show many sides, <laughs> many sides of a story, like Rashomon, <laughs> which George says is All not right. good. So don't watch it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't like it, but yeah. Okay. Until next time. Bye. 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 Bye.